Hi, and welcome to Biz Quick. I'm Corey. And I'm Julie. And on today's pod, we have Scott Miller, who is a Wall Street Journal bestselling author, the Executive Vice President at uh, Thought Leadership at Franklin Covey, an Inc. columnist, and host of the world's largest leadership podcast. That's right. You're listening to Biz Quick. This is where Julie and Corey provide quick and useful information to small business owners. This Quick is the podcast where small business owners get to showcase their businesses and receive expert advice and guidance in areas many entrepreneurs struggle with. And you, the listener, get solutions, tips, and tricks on real-world topics that many small business owners face. Julie and Corey are the experts small businesses hire when they need solutions. And the BizQuick podcast is just one way they deliver those solutions. Let's start the show. Welcome, Scott. Corey, thank you. You nailed that. I appreciate the platform today. Julie, nice to meet you. Hey, Scott. Nice to meet you. I don't even know where to start with you because it doesn't feel like you have anything going on at all. I'm trying to figure out why we have you on our podcast. What are you going to talk about? Well, you know, I got a few things going on. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah, and my wife and I are raising three boys that are six, eight, and ten. So that could be a podcast right there, how not to have three boys in five years, right? There's a lot of lessons <laughs> learned there. I've been privileged to work for the Franklin Covey Company for 25 years, which is by most measures the world's most reputable leadership development firm, founded by the famous gentleman Stephen R. Covey, who wrote the book The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I've spent the better part of my career in sales and sales leadership. I was the chief marketing officer of the firm for eight years. Lived around the world, lived in Florida, London, Chicago. I'm here now in Salt Lake City with my wife. And so I would love to have a conversation around the things I've learned, that what makes a great leader, who should be a leader, the challenges. You can take it anywhere you'd like to go. Excellent. Um, you have a book out called Management Mess, correct? Correct. I've actually authored several books. That one was the first book I wrote called Management Mess to Leadership Success. 30 challenges to become the leader you would follow. Excellent. So what are some challenges that people go through becoming a leader? Well, I think it probably depends, Julie, on what stage you're in. Let me start first with the premise of the book was that not everyone should be a leader of people. I think that's a mistake. I think too often, whether you're the, you know, the owner of a small enterprise or the founder, you're an entrepreneur, or you work in a large organization, you have to ask yourself, should I be a leader of people? Just like not everyone should be an anesthesiologist. Not everyone should be a commercial airline pilot. Me first amongst both of those groups. <laughs> I'm, quite not sure, I'm not sure that I should have been a leader of people. But I think inside organizations, big and small, people are often lured into leadership roles, meaning it's the only way to get promoted. It's often the only way to earn more money. It's the only way to grow your career. It's the only way to build a new title or formal power. But I think the problem is not everyone should be a leader of people. And too often we tend to promote people who are highly effective individual producers, right? The most efficient dental hygienist or the most creative digital designer or the top producing salesperson becomes the sales leader when rarely are the skills and competencies that make you a sales producer the same that make you a sales leader. In fact, they're often the opposite. So I think the first question is to be asking yourself, is your talent, is your desire really to lead people? Because leadership is hard. It's, it's messy. It's unrelenting. It can be unrewarding. 
I don't use this phrase, but I've heard it called adult babysitting. We all can relate. So the first point I would make is for everybody listening today, be really thoughtful about should you be leading people, including if you're a small business owner, because it may be that your job is chief revenue officer or chief strategist or chief fundraiser, but maybe you shouldn't actually be the person who's leading other people. The next is, gosh, I could go anywhere. There are 30 challenges that I curated across our 40 years in business around the world. Some of them around listening. Challenge three is listen first. I think it's a fundamental competency that's underrated. Most listeners have spent their careers becoming better speakers. <laughs> Influence, persuasion, selling. Your job is to talk about the mission, the vision, the values, clarify the goals. And those are strong competencies for leaders. But when you're talking, you're not listening. When you're talking, you're not building empathy or building trust. Talking is quite selfish. Listening is quite selfless. So it's counterintuitive. So I think one of the leadership traits that a lot of leaders fall victim to is they don't build a culture where people feel valued, where they feel heard where they feel like they contribute because the leader is talking so much because they're always in persuasion mode. You know, another one I think is giving high courage feedback. Let me tell you, I think the number one job of a leader is to recruit and retain quality talent. Number one job. In fact, talent that is palpably more noticeable than your own. That requires you to show humility and vulnerability to hire people who are smarter than you. I think the second talent of a leader is giving people feedback on their blind spots. I mean, this is like perhaps the largest gift that leaders give the people who work for them is demonstrating the courage to move outside of your comfort zone and discuss the undiscussables, the blind spots that all of your team members have, whether it be about their ability to collaborate, apologize, be punctual, their ability to give credit where it's due, their ability to take responsibility for their own actions and mistakes, their ability to perhaps get along well with others and diffuse conflict. Might be about interpersonal issues around their personal hygiene. People are get horrified when I say that, but one of the best gifts you can give someone is perhaps talk about the way they're addressing or presenting themselves, the way they're, or they're not. Yeah. I, I had to have that conversation with more than one employee about uh, their hygiene. Um, kind of awkward for sure, but. <laughs> but you know, Corey, congrats to you because you know what? That shows that you cared about that person. You were willing to put your own need to be liked, your own need to avoid conflict aside, and you clearly executed on a paradigm. A mindset was, I care about this person, so I am willing to subject myself to an uncomfortable conversation. I'm willing to role play it. I'm willing to perhaps have them be um, embarrassed, but it's all on how you do it. I could talk for a half an hour about how to provide feedback because what happens is most leaders fall into one of two camps. They're either super courageous like me, where they don't talk about anything with anyone. And they know no bounds. Of course, the problem with that is, is They'll talk about anything with anybody. They lack diplomacy. They lack consideration. And it's really the effective leader 
that goes into these conversations with the mindset of, I care about this person, so I am willing to have this uncomfortable conversation. They then declare their intent. I'm gonna role play, Corey. Corey, I brought you in my office today because I need to have a high courage conversation with you. And I want you to know my intent is for you to build a great career here inside our company. I can see a great career for you. And I, I might actually need to do over. I might use the wrong words. My intent is to help you see one of your blind spots. Corey, I'm noticing, um, like me in the hot Virginia summers, you might be breaking through your antiperspirant. <laughs> Happens to all of us. I have to mix it up. We all tend to have chemical reactions. If you're like me, every two or three years, I have to move to a new deodorant. I would hate for you ever to be embarrassed or have someone you know, call you out on it because I really care about you. What's said in here stays in here. And so together, we both probably should switch up our deodorant. And um, that's it. Have a great day. Next. Now, yeah, I simplified that for this conversation, yeah. but it's all about your intent. Yeah, that's fantastic. I just, this conversation reminds me of a discussion that um, I had with a, a friend of Corey and I, who is a small business owner. And, you know, when you're a small business owner and maybe you, there's only one or two people in your company, you don't have a lot of options for people who are going to give you feedback. So we have a friend who runs a small business and a lot of people, you know, that are in our network, were starting to talk about his inability to like, he, he had sort of struck this commit and forget approach to things where he would commit to doing things and not, and then not follow through. And it was starting to impact his reputation. And so I sat down and had a conversation with him and it was, I was very nervous to have it because he's such a dear friend but because he's such a dear friend, it was really important to me that his business succeed. And so, you know, I started off with, which, you know, I frequently, when I'm not sure how the person will take what I'm going to say, this, you said this, and it resonated with me deeply because I do this is I'm going to try this. I might not get my words right on the first go around. So if it feels like it's not landing correctly, tell me, and I'm going to do it again. And we had this conversation and this has probably been like four months since I've had the conversation with him. And frequently he reminds me, he will say that conversation changed my life. Thank you. Yeah. So well said, Julie, you just hit on something that I think is profound. And that is when you declare your intent, people then don't make it up because absent facts, people make stuff up. Absent you declaring your intent, people will assume nefarious intent. They'll think you're jealous. They'll think you're, uh, trying to capitalize on them, right? But when you declare your intent, my intent is to help you see a blind spot that is inhibiting your ability to be as effective as you could be. Would you allow me the opportunity to share some insights? I might not say that right. I might get the wrong words. Just judge me on my intent, not on my technique. 99% of people will lower down their guard and say, this person cares about me. I need to listen. Yeah. That's a, that's a really, really good approach. And I don't normally say uh, that's my intent. I'm going to start using that. I'm going to use that with Corey. Like as soon as we're done here, I'm going to give him some feedback. <laughs> well, you know what? I think it's magical. I it think is. just those words. If you'll allow me to declare my intent for a moment. My intent is to help us build this business so that we both crush it and buy yachts. And there's something that I'm seeing that you're doing that's inhibiting it. And by the way, Corey, Right now, I'm sure you're thinking of the seven things that I could do better as well. Do me a favor, hold those for a day and come at me tomorrow with those. Right now, I want us to be in the zone about some things I'm seeing with you. 
No, you're doing great, Scott. I don't have any feedback for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's you good. Know, actually, let me share another thought from the book as well. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I think, and there's so many expectations. You know, what one 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 from this book is the fact that relationships are everything. I don't care if you have two people in your business, you have 20 or 2,000. <laughs> I'm gonna dispel a human resource adage. People are not your most valuable asset. It's not true. It is the relationships between your people is that's what's your competitive advantage. Because you can copy everything. You can copy clients and trademarks and logos. You can copy supply chain and pricing and go to market strategies. You can copy social media posts and marketing. Everything can be copied. Everything can be copied. What cannot be copied is how Julie and Corey work together because that is the magic. Do they declare their intent? Do they complement each other's strengths and do they shore up each other's weaknesses? Do they diffuse conflict together? Can they share high courage feedback without getting jealous or defensive? or take it as an affront? Can they apologize to the, each other without any excuses? Can they forgive each other? Perhaps more importantly, can they pre-forgive each other? Because Julie's gonna do something to piss Corey off, I guarantee you, next week. And Corey's gonna do something to irritate Julie next week. And can Julie anticipate it and say, you know what? His intent is good, his skills are strong, I'm gonna pre-forgive him. And as a leader, you have to understand your job is to model effective relationships. You have to model trustworthiness, transparency, vulnerability, confidence, humility. You have to model the fact that as a leader, when you make a mistake, don't say, hey, Julie, I'm sorry I was rude in last week's meeting, but Corey drives me crazy and he's always late and my dogs are, no, no, no. All of those excuses neuter that apology. The only viable apology is the excuse-free apology. It goes like this. Julie, I was a jerk last week in the meeting. I said things to you that were inappropriate. I apologize. I'm embarrassed. I was wrong. I'm going to do my best not to do it again. Would you be willing to forgive me? That's it. No defense, no protecting your ego, no blaming it on everybody else. But as a leader, your job is to nurture relationships. It's your number one asset. We wanted to take a quick break to tell you more about SB Pace, the small business consulting company that makes this podcast possible. SB Pace, which stands for Small Business Planning, Advising, Coaching, Expertise, focuses solely on helping small businesses and entrepreneurs. Are you looking to start a small business of your own? SB Pace can get you up and running with a solid foundation that's built to last. Are you an existing small business in a slump or just looking for ways to improve what you do? We can help with that. Are you ready to take your business to the next level? SB Pace is the partner you need. You can find out more about SB Pace and what we have to offer by visiting our website, sbpace.com. So we have a lot of listeners who are solopreneurs, right? They don't have people in their company. So they're leading themselves, but I would also say they're leading their you know, peers and they're leading their customers. What kind of tips or advice would you give to people who are in that situation where they're still leaders? It just looks different how they're, what they're leading. Oh, sure. They're leading their client base. They're leading their vendors, their partners. They're leading a network of people. They're not a formal leader of people, but they absolutely have perhaps even more weight on them, right? Because they don't have someone to give them feedback. They don't have someone to share 
what their blind spots are, right? They're probably oftentimes running with their strengths and doing the things they like and are best at and maybe neglecting the hard parts of the business where they don't find the validation or have someone to walk in and help them better balance their time management. I think a couple of things I found. I used to think that humility was a weakness, that humble people were quiet and shy and retiring and weak people, that great leaders were strong and loud and charismatic. You see it in my voice, right? I'm a very forceful person. I was led to believe by my parents, my community, that people like me are successful. People are quiet, shy, are not. Of course, that's not true. Here's what I learned. Humility is a leadership talent that can be deployed, whether you're a solopreneur, an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur, whether you're an upstart, you're in, you're in a more mature business. Humility is so important because humility flows out of confidence. Confident people are capable of showing humility. If you're confident, you can be vulnerable. Here's a great example. I'm a very competent, confident person. I've written multiple best-selling books. I've been able to manage a seven-figure career. I've done a lot of things. But let me tell you, I'm a stutterer. I, I am a lifelong stutterer. I've had speech pathology and speech therapy for multiple decades. I have two speech coaches. There are 26 words I cannot say in public. It'll like on stage, I know those 26 words that I cannot say, and I've had to build a huge reservoir of reserve words because I know when the word is coming up in three sentences, I have to build a metaphorical off-ramp, pick up a kind of similar word, and go back onto the highway with it. It takes a lot of energy. Don't get me in the wintertime because my stutter exacerbates like tenfold. So I probably should be living in a warm state. But you know what? I'm very comfortable sharing that. I'm very comfortable being vulnerable about a very private thing that sometimes trips me up because I'm really confident in other areas of my life. I think vulnerability is a key leadership competency. So for the solopreneurs, don't try to be all things to all people. It doesn't mean you're Catholic like me and confess your sins all day long. There's some, that was a joke, by the way. Can I hear a, can I hear a laugh? <laughs> Thank you. We'll, we'll, My we'll point is, I think, <laughs> I think as a solopreneur is let your guard down. Be really clear on what is your expertise because you can't be an expert at everything, right? Is prune back a little bit. Admit when you've dropped the ball. Admit when you're outside your comfort zone. Admit when you need to lean on somebody else for advice. I think this charade of everybody being a genius and, and having all the answers is just be really clear on what is your genius? Because not everybody is a genius, but everyone has genius. And take some time to really get clear and be confident on what is your genius and be super transparent, be vulnerable about what it is you need to lean on other people for. I think clients, vendors will flock to that vulnerability. You've given a lot of great tips for, for existing leaders. Um, you, you know, like the, the vulnerability part, you know, it's great. Like the communication, nurture relationships, et cetera. Um, but what about for people whose businesses are growing? What should they be looking for in either new hires or their staff to promote, like it, to, to, if they're moving them up into a leadership position? Yes, Corey, profound question. 
like I said before, I think too often we promote people based on their technical capability or their performance in the job they're doing. And there's little to no correlation and whether or not they'll make a great people leader. Let me give an example and I'll come and answer your question. I was the top salesperson in my division at Franklin Covey at the time. I'd made you know 16 quarters in a row. I was crushing my goal. I was the top revenue earner. So I get promoted into becoming a sales leader. Now let's talk about what the characteristics are of a great salesperson. They're usually very competitive. They want open-ended income. They want to control their income. They want to be top of the scoreboard. They want to be top of the leaderboard, right? They like the, the limelight and the attention of being at the top. If they wouldn't, they would go become in product development or go work in supply chain. Those are actually great talents to have as a salesperson, competition and significance. By the way, those are two of my top strengths on Gallup Strengths Finder, competition and significance. Those are horrible strengths to have as a sales leader. You do not want a sales leader to have competition and significance because then they're in competition with their team to win and succeed. They don't have a leader's mindset. A leader's mindset, listen very carefully, is that I get work done with and through other people. So you hire leaders that have a leadership mindset. I get work done with and through other people. That means I am patient. That means I slow down. That means I listen. That means I'm not the genius in the room. I'm the genius maker of others. My job is to build capability, to build capacity, that I am confident enough. Where somebody earns more money than me, I am not jealous. It doesn't crush me. I don't punish them. That is the sign of victory that someone gets promoted beyond me. Takes a special kind of person. I was not that person in my 20s or my 30s or in my early 40s. I matured into taking delight when someone earned more money than me, when they surpassed me in the organization. I wasn't capable enough in my 20s and 30s. So as you answer your question, Corey, as you look at developing your leadership pipeline, what you are looking for is people who take delight in the success of others. People who naturally have an abundance mentality versus a scarcity mentality. By the way, I don't think being scarce is always bad. Look at March and toilet paper, right? I mean, no one starved. No one died because they didn't have toilet paper. But we all went out and bought 50 rolls, including me. Hey, 150. <laughs> Well, you, so, have, you, have, you have boys, so that makes I sense. I have some boys, that's right. And they use, they use a roll, uh, um, a visit, right? It's insane. The plumber is like on, on, um, on retainer at my house. <laughs> I think you're looking for people who, have, who take delight in the success of others. You look for people who have wisdom, not just smarts. Because there's a difference between being smart and being wise. You look at people that, that have an abundance mentality. People that understand culture. They understand the downside of gossip. They get the principle that when you are loyal to those who are absent, you build trust with those who are present. They understand the idea that with people, slow is fast and fast is slow. They understand the necessity of having high courage conversations. They possess both diplomacy and courage. They can call things by their right names, that they make it safe for people to tell the truth. I tell leaders all the time, if your people are lying to you, 
oh, that's your fault, not theirs. If your team is missing their forecast, if they're missing, oh, that's because you've not made it safe for them to bring you bad news. Because as a leader, your job is to crave bad news, not wrong news. There's a huge difference between bad news and wrong news. Wrong news means you're making it up and you're, you're phoning it in and you haven't asked all the right questions. That's wrong news. Bad news means something happened, perhaps outside of my circle of influence, but I'm not giving you the bad news because I fear your retribution. I fear your temper. I fear how you will diminish me. Great leaders make it safe for people to tell them the truth as soon as possible. If you're running an organization and you've got three salespeople and they're dropping bombs on you on the last day of the month, or the last day of the quarter, that is your fault, not theirs. Because a great leader tells your salespeople, bring me the bad news. Bring it to me as soon as possible so we can sit down, we can dissect it, we can reconstruct it. Maybe I can help, help you fix it. But if you bring it to me at the very last day, you've limited all my options. And now I can't pull any other levers on the cost side, on the revenue side, on another deal. So I think some of these things I'm mentioning to you are profound, whether you are a sales leader of one people, whether you're an organizational upstart. Same with your supply chain. You could be a solopreneur and you got to tell your vendors, if there's any bad news, give it to me soon, right? I can handle it. I can get a workaround, but please don't screw me and tell me at the last minute. And most people, if they trust you and you've built a reputation of being calm, rational, deliberate owner, leader, they'll bring you bad news sooner than later. And, that, and then that gives you more options in which to recover. Yeah. How do you um, leverage or have you leveraged the um, approach of asking people or mentioning upfront in a conversation with people, like, I need to know that you're going to be comfortable telling me bad news or saying no to me, you know, like that's important yeah. for this relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I actually would reverse it. I think it's the wrong question. Okay. Because I think if you ask the question the way you asked it, everyone will say, Oh yeah, I feel comfortable telling you. Oh yeah, no problem. Of course I will. No, people are cowards. That, that, that's not, that's not a character flaw. That's a personality trait. So you have to take responsibility for it. You have to prove to them that you are trustworthy, that over time that you won't curse them out. You won't lose your cool. You won't blame them. Now, responsibility is responsibility. But I don't think I can lose. I can't convince you, Julie, that I'm going to not blow up other than to have proven to you in previous circumstances. Now, what you could say, let's say Julie works for me, and Julie is, my, is one of my four salespeople, right? And Julie has some goals. And this month, in October, her goal is $60,000. And it's October 16th. And her pipeline only shows that 8000 is coming in and she doesn't have enough time. You get the point, right? Yeah. Is if I have sat down with Julie ahead of time and said, here are the operational principles. Here are the cultural imperatives of how we run our firm. If I promise you, if you bring me bad news, I will make it as easy on you as possible. And by, by not doing these things, I will not scream. I will not yell. I may ask some clarifying questions. I may ask you, when did you learn this information? I may ask you to share what could you have done differently? I may ask you to brainstorm with me what can we do differently to save this, to solve it? 
to make sure it doesn't repeat. But in exchange for me making it safe for you, I'm going to ask you to own your share of it. So when you come with to me, don't come with excuses. Don't come with made up stories. Own your share. And together, we'll make sure that we minimize that the next time it happens as well. I think you have to prove to people, not just through your words, but through their experience with you. Here's a great example. I speak to large stages all the time, five, six, 7,000 people. I'll be on stage and I'll say to everybody in the audience, raise your hand if you're trustworthy. Everybody's hand goes up. And I say, nope, put it down. Who decides if you're trustworthy? Everyone else. The other person. Yeah. The other person. So you have to behave yourself into a reputation of making it safe for someone to tell you the truth, including your spouse, including your mother-in-law, including your vendors. Because most people will tell you, oh, yeah, oh, I'll tell you when you're pissing me off. Oh, I'll tell you. what." No, they won't. What they'll mostly do is blackball you, gossip about you, trash you, and move on to the next person. Yeah. And that's not my lack of faith in people. It's just a reality. People have to know that it's safe to behave differently around you. You're a different kind of person. Oh, he really does want the feedback. Oh, he really does want the brutal truth. He isn't like all my other clients. You have to separate yourself through behavior. It's, yeah, my, my brain is absolutely spinning on some of this and thinking back to how I typically respond or react in situations where it's, where there's a real opportunity for my best self to not show up because yeah, of- Yeah, me too. Yeah. And me too. In fact, Julie, I'm the, I'm the same way, right? It's one thing to say it on this podcast. So I need to go live it with my team. My team knows that when they bring me news, I usually have a little bit of a reaction, but it's a short reaction. I come around really quick, like really quick, like within a minute. But I need a minute to process through it because I'm thinking about 15 things. How long did you know this? Why didn't you tell me? What did I do that made it uncomfortable for you not to tell me, right? And then I quickly come around within a minute and realize I got to make it safe for them because they won't come back to me next time if I don't align myself with this leadership principle, which is making it safe for people to tell you their truth. Yeah. So we need to start wrapping up. I do want to ask you um, one final question, which is um, what is the number one mistake that you see um, leaders make? Well, I think it's a tough one. <laughs> no, it's a brilliant question. It's just, you know, it's, it's a tough one because what they what mistake they make in their first year? What they what mistake? You know. Here's here's what I'd answer. I think that most leaders will tell you that they have 30 years of experience, or 20 years of experience. What they really mean is they have one year of experience repeated 19 times. And that leaders have got to be agile emotionally and nimble intellectually. They have to. Recognize you hired people for their intelligence. Let them be smart. That there's more than one ways to accomplish something. Your way works for you because of your strengths, your talents, your fears. Somebody else might find a different way to do it. The biggest mistake leaders make is they underestimate the intelligence, the creativity, the stamina, the contribution, the engagement that people around them want to give but they feel like it's their way or the highway 
and that leaders need to be open to other people's insights. I, I read a book recently, and I know our time is ending. I read a book I highly recommend. It's called How Will You Measure Your Life? And the, the famed author and professor Clayton Christensen co-wrote this book with um, a dear friend of mine named Karen Dillon. She's the former editor of the Harvard Business Review. And in this book, How Will You Measure they, Your Life? They published a research study from somebody else that said that when you measure organizations by financial performance, companies that, quote, achieve financial success, end quote, 93% of the time they did it through an emergent strategy, not a deliberate strategy, meaning what achieved them financial success was not the plan they originally laid out. It wasn't the founder's original idea or the founder's passion. It was that nimbleness and that agility again to take a different direction, listen to a different idea, a different perspective. It doesn't mean that you, um, you know, you just agree with the last idea you heard because you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. But 93% of the time, companies achieved it with a new way of approaching it. That they recognized they had one year of experience perfected 19 times. Be more agile, be more open, be more flexible. Don't be the genius in the room. Be the genius maker of others. That is great advice. Thank you so much. Boom. Yeah, boom. Uh, Scott, can you go ahead and tell our listeners how they can, um, you know, learn more about you? Reach My out. wife thinks that's a stupid question because she thinks I'm overexposed. But I, <laughs> I'm on social media. Corey's my biggest fan on LinkedIn. You know what? You can find me. It's hard not to find me. Google Scott Miller. You'll find me. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I'd love to have you connect and follow me. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Twitter Facebook. Um, as I mentioned, um, I am privileged to host the world's largest leadership podcast. It's called On Leadership with Scott Miller. If you Google that, you can find it. You also can visit um, scottjeffreymiller.com, learn more about me. So I'm just honored, Corey, Julie, to be on your um, program and the platform today. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you, Scott. You can go ahead and connect with us on social media. We are on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and the Facebook. And you can reach us also on our website, sbpace.com, as well as bizquickpodcast.com. And if you like what you're hearing, go ahead and subscribe to the pod and like us and give us a review. We love to get feedback. Please give us a review. Please reach out to us about any topics you're interested in hearing about. And we wrote a book. It's called Seriously? Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. And you can find it on Amazon or link to it through our website. All right, that's the podcast for today. I'm Corey. And I'm Julie. And this was BizQuick, helping small businesses across America.